What's that? Yeah, absolutely. Here's Brother Patrick. Okay. And Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 113, uh, 117. One, I'm sorry, starting verse 113. I'm still, I'm still kind of decompressing from work. <laughs> uh, okay, Psalm 119, verse 113. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Hold thou me up, and I shall be safe, and I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross, therefore I love thy testimonies. My flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I am afraid of thy judgments. So we're on page five, on item number five, and that's safety in the Lord's hands of the blanks. Safety in the Lord's hands. <clears throat> That's from verse 117. Hold thou me up, and I shall be safe, and I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. We've already started this, and last week we talked about that. Uh, I like the part where especially he says, hold thou me up, and I shall be safe. And I love the fact that that that, that comes from confidence. The, the confidence that we can have that in God's hands we are safe. And uh, so I had I was looking over this yesterday, and I, I had another thought about that, and that's John chapter 10. If you'd like to turn there with me, John chapter 10, in verse uh, 27. John chapter 10, verse 27. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. He says, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish." Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And the fact that the Lord Jesus puts emphasis here that believers are in his hand. <laughs> and he says we're in the Father's hand as well. And no one is able to break God's grasp on us. When we receive Christ as our Savior, Christ is holding us, the Father is holding us, and no one can break us out of his hand. And so there is no greater place of safety. And I've, there's a, a former coworker of mine, he and I have been emailing, and we both kind of have a same, similar response to some of the, the um, well, the, 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 the state of our world. Between, you know, the, the Lord Jesus even said, he said, you know, the, these are the signs of the, of the end times, and we're definitely in the end times. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, but regardless... <laughs> It, in, in, a, in a sense, and in, in a very real sense, there is no safer place. Even if there is chaos and trouble, destruction, and, you know, if there were Soviet tanks, Soviet, Russian tanks barreling down. Hey, there, well, there was a Soviet Union in my lifetime. I feel like I, uh, <laughs> I should get that. <laughs> but uh, it, it doesn't matter what danger. If someone was pointing a gun right at our face, there is no safer place to be than in God's hands. Because God is able to protect and provide for his people, he has never, ever failed to protect his people or provide for us. Brother Patrick? There was this pastor, and he had his son, young son come up. Mm -hmm. He said, okay, John, take my hand. He said, okay, John, go over, go over there and sit down. He held his hand. Uh -huh. He couldn't go, uh -huh. basically, because he's stronger right. than his son. Yeah, he amen. Get away. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Melissa watched a preaching message today, and she told me about it. And this, uh, you want to tell it or you want me to tell it? 
Okay, so there's this, this pastor was talking about one of the people that was on the Titanic was a pastor. And as the Titanic was going down, um, there was, I don't know, a, a thousand people in the water. Yeah, so, and, and his last moments on earth was sp- spent literally swimming from person to person and saying, are you saved? You know, <laughs> now the thing is, is, is someone could say, how come God didn't protect him from that moment? Why didn't God deliver him? Actually, God delivered him to that moment, that he could be that man with the hope of salvation to give to people in their last moments on earth. And we know one of those people survived and was able to tell other people what happened that day. Now, listen, whatever God's plan is for mine and your life, he is able to deliver us to and through everything that happens to us. There's nothing that he is not able to see us through. And if he doesn't see us through us, then he will see through it, then he'll see us to heaven. Praise God. As is the case with Stephen, it glorified God. Yeah, amen. And, and so we, we don't get to pick, pick and choose the events that befall us, but God in his presence with us, thank God for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the, and the story or the, the, uh, the record of them being, being brought to the fire, into the fire, and not just that, but the, the witness of Nebuchadnezzar, the man who threw them in there, <laughs> he said, I see four, and the fourth is likened to the Son of God. And that's the thing is that our, our desire, and I do mean our, I, my desire is to escape hardship, to escape difficulty, to escape challenges and, and trials and tribulations. But that's what Christ has said we will go to and through. And so our place is to seek his, cling closely to him at all times. And so the truth is, is we are safe in his hands. And again, I think that a lot of what Psalm 119 brings us to over and over and over is we need faith that will give us confidence. And that's how that's how Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were able to respond with, hey, you know, whatever God is able to deliver because Nebuchadnezzar had said, who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? And they said, our God is able. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to your gods nor worship them. Praise God for that boldness and, and may God help us to have the exact same kind of boldness no matter what challenge we face. Whether it's someone pointing a gun in our face or someone saying, um, you know, do what we say or we'll take your livelihood. You know, all these kinds of things are similar to what is happening in our world. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what circumstances surround us. God is able to see us to and through everything. Remember Peter basically, it was a Jesus that said it was not flesh and blood. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But did not reveal to you, but yeah. my father in heaven. Right. Yeah. Same go back to that guy who said it's likened like the son of God now. Right. How did he get, where did he get that? Well, we didn't, now listen, we don't know what he saw. Right. But he saw, whatever it was he saw, he was able to, maybe God just gave him that understanding. Right. That is the son of God that you see in that fire. Yeah, and, and there, you know that was what that's what's called a, a Christophany, an Old Testament appearance of Christ, and there's many of them. One of my favorites is is uh, and I read a devotion about this today that mentioned that uh, Joshua, before he and, and Israel went to the Battle of Jericho, he met the captain of the Lord's host, and he was the Lord Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ. He was Jesus Christ walking on the planet before he was born. It's a pretty beautiful, amazing thing, and so. Um, so picking up, so letter A, we already looked at this. The Lord is our hope, or I'm sorry, our help and hope, and he is all we need. And uh, letter B, which is where we're picking up tonight, 
This, of course, is proved when times are challenging. But God takes delight in showing us his great strength to deliver. And as I said a minute ago, we are never looking for challenges. We're never looking for difficulties. We're never looking for impossible situations. But God is constantly delivering us to these situations. And, uh, and God is faithful. And so I had a couple of verses I want to share with you about that. In Genesis 18:14, this is when the Lord appeared to Abraham. And uh, he had said, this time next, uh, at, at the time of life, Sarah will be with child. And Sarah laughed on the inside. She didn't laugh on the outside. She laughed on the inside. And the Lord said, Why, wherefore did Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's Genesis 18:14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And again, in Jeremiah 32, 27, he says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And really, you know, everybody here needs to be able to answer that directly to God. Lord, there's nothing too hard for you. And I think we can all say amen to that, right? We can all say amen, Brother Brett. There's nothing too hard for God. But what about the next thing <laughs> that comes our way? You know, and, and Miss Patty and, and uh, Chris, you know, uh, I, I know these are... You know, these are things that, that give us anxiety. They makes it make us anxious. But the message that God gives us is he is not strained to take care of us. It does not hard for him to take care of us. It's not hard for him. It, and that's what God says there in his own words. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And that's a pointed question that God asks us and demands an answer. And that goes, that goes for everything in our lives. There's nothing that is that ex- exempt from that truth. There's nothing too hard for God. We bring all of our needs, all of our cares, all of our anxiousness, all of our burdens, bring them all to the Lord, bring them immediately, and trust Him about them. And, you know, I, I've asked God many times, Lord, please help me just to give this to you, <laughs> let it go, and not go back and get it. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else is like that, but I got that kind of problem. You know, and, and that's the thing is that sometimes we can say, Lord, I'm bringing this to you, but we can still fret and worry about it nonetheless. And I know I'm not the only one. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to ask for a hearty amen, but I know it should be there. <laughs> and so Second uh, Chronicles 69 is here in your notes. One of my favorite verses. I love this verse. For the eyes of the Lord, this is the, the Lord speaking to a king, and he had hired an army. And so he's, this is really the Lord rebuking him. But he says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. God is very specifically saying there, I am, I, I'm paraphrasing what the Lord is saying here, I'm looking for opportunities to be strong on the behalf of those who fear him, who seek him, who trust in him. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. You think it'd be wrong to go to God and say, Lord, I got your, I got your, your situation right here. <laughs> this is an opportunity for you to be strong on my behalf. And you know, the thing is, is God is not just strong to take care of the problem, but he is strong to meet us where we are in our hearts and our minds and give us peace and strength in the moment. See, every situation, you see it throughout the Bible. Every situation that a man is found in, and it's a, a troubling, trying time, perhaps a frightening time, and God knows exactly what he's going to do. He doesn't, he doesn't wonder what he's going to do. He already knows what he's going to do. You ever think about the fact that the shortest ver, uh, verse in the, in the Bible is what? Jesus, Jesus wept. What did Jesus weep about? Not a trick question, just 
Lazarus, okay, Lazarus died. And, and so the Lord Jesus stayed where he was when he first heard about Lazarus was sick. He stayed where he was for two days, if I remember correctly. And so when he begins to leave, <laughs> by the time he gets there, Lazarus has been dead for four days. And so Mary and, and Martha, they're in a state of intense grief. And there are people weeping all about. And again, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he knows what he's going to do. And he even told his disciples before he left what he was going to do. I'm going to wake him out of sleep. And then he told them plainly, our friend Lazarus is dead. But I go to wake him out of sleep. The Lord Jesus knew before he ever left where he was that he was going to raise Lazarus out of, out of that tomb. He was going to come alive. So why did he weep? Because they were weeping. Their grief, that's what I believe. Their grief was intense. I believe the Lord Jesus felt their grief. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Nobody else around him even understood how great his power was to call the dead back to life. Glory to God. He knew what he was going to do. My point is this. When we are in situations where we are overcome, I think everybody here has been there. When you are just simply overcome, the situation is dire and you cannot see a way out. And you know that God is God. And you know that he can help. You know that he can fix the problem. But you can't see it yourself. <laughs> Listen, God does not hate us for not being able to see. But he also, in the, God knows how to fix the problem, but it's not just that. God cares about us where we are. Right where we are when we have intense grief, when we have even crises of faith. You know, God cares very deeply. He knows exactly how to speak to us. And things like this are in the scriptures just for us. And, and, and I've had God give me verses that I really needed at times where my, I didn't feel like my faith was strong. And so this, let her be again. This, of course, is proved when times are challenging. But God takes delight in showing us his great strength to deliver. So we read number one, letter I there and the two I's underneath that. Is Exodus 15, 1 through 3. Now, this is after the Red Sea. Israel came through the Red Sea. They had seen what God did in Egypt, his, his judging of the, uh, of, of the Egyptians and their gods. And uh, he had shown his great power. So when they come through on the other side. Now, I was thinking about this earlier, about how, you know, God judged them. He judged the Egyptians. He showed that their gods were not gods. And he showed his great power, including the death angel going through and smiting the firstborn of Egypt, and God delivered them out. But, you know, it wasn't until they get to the Red Sea <laughs> and they see Pharaoh's army. Now, get this. Throughout all of that judgment, the army was untouched. That army was fully intact. Why did God do that? Well, it's just like you read there in Second Chronicles. He saved, I, I think, clearly, he saved that army to rescue Israel from that army fully in all of their power. Their chariots were they're thought to be the, the greatest weapon of war that the world had ever seen. And Israel and Egypt's army had tons of them. And they were a, a war, world war power. And they were bearing down on a, by all appearances, a defenseless Israel. And yet they had God. And, you know, what was their reaction as, as Egypt was bearing down on them with their chariots and their horses and their riders and their weapons of war and their armor? They're, they said, you've, you've brought us out here to die. 
their, their, their moment of, of faith was, you know, they came to the moment of where they were supposed to exercise their faith and it was not there. They said, you brought us out here to die. And Moses said, stand still and you shall see the salvation of the Lord. And of course, God split the Red Sea and he let Israel go through on dry ground. And he also had the pillars between Israel and Egypt would not let them approach into them. So protected the entire time. Israel gets all the way through and then he lets Egypt come in. <laughs> Why did God do that? I imagine there's somebody in Israel thinking that. Why did he let them in? <laughs> uh, but, but before the story is over, all of those, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of tons of water. May, I don't know. I'm not good at math. All those tons of water come crashing down. And before that moment happens, Egyptians themselves cry out, let us flee from the face of Israel. For what? God fights for them. <laughs> Their last inkling of knowledge before they left the planet was, let us flee from the face of Israel. God fights for them. Brother. Well, it's just interesting that the Egyptians, which have false gods, right. set traps for them. Mm. Couldn't see that trap. <laughs> <laughs> well, God, God was able to see them through that. And that's the thing. Is, type of trap, a good trap. Right, okay. <laughs> God brought them through. And so anyway, this is, this is where we pick up in the Exodus 15, 1 through 3. So after that crisis of faith that they came to the birth and they did not have faith to get through it, <laughs> that's something like what Hezekiah said. I think it's Hezekiah. Anyway, uh, Exodus 15, 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the, into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him in habitation. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. So that's Israel. After this incredible judgment of God, this incredible showing of God's power, they sang the song of praise unto their God. And they could see, they could see it just plain as day, their God had protected and sustained them. And, you know, Israel, thinking back to the other side of the, of the, of the Red Sea, they probably would have done anything to have not been there that day. But what about the other side, the other side of the Red Sea? Well, then they had this glorious song to sing, this wonderful praise for God. And sometimes, folks, we need to approach our challenges and our fears with the same anticipation, God is going to deliver. God is going to see me through. God is going to take care of my family. He's going to defeat this foe that I cannot even imagine how I can come through this. God is up to the task. And so this, this thought that I have to the right of that is confidence taught by experience made them sing. Confidence taught by experience made them sing. Listen, folks, make no mistakes. God wants to hear us sing. He wants to hear us sing in faith and in confidence to God. And so much better, so much better is singing before you see God's answer than after. I mean, praise God for after. That's the way it ought to be. <laughs> but how about singing praise to God in faith and confidence for what you know he is going to do. Why? Because he's faithful. Listen, all of these things written in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the Bible says they're written down for our admonition and learning. They're written for us 
that we can learn from what we read and give glory to God before and after the trials. Because there's nothing that God cannot do. There's nothing that he is not up to. <clears throat> so um, there's that wonderful praise. That's, there's that wonderful confidence. There's that wonderful singing. But there's also a warning here. <laughs> if you'd like to turn with me to Psalm 103, I'd like you to see this. Psalm 103, which is, there's, there's many times you see these panoramic in scriptures where they show you a, a vast swath of history. So in Psalm 106, verse 13, I'm sorry, one, did I say 106? It's 106. I'm not good with numbers, brother. <laughs> 106, verse 13. This is why I ask, that's part of the reason I ask for prayer all the time, because when I have to do numbers at work, when I have to compare things, my mind just wants to quit. <laughs> I just don't do well with solid data. I, I'm a graphic artist, so I like comparing things. No, that looks a little off. Let me nudge it a little bit. But man, when it comes to hard data, man, I, <laughs> I uh, suffer a little bit. So I'm asking for prayer. <laughs> so Psalm 106, verse 13, verse 13 this is in... Uh, this is talking about Israel in this time. So this is after the Red Sea. And, uh, and let me start in verse 12. Well, let me start in verse uh, 9. And he rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated him and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. Verse 13. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel. And so listen, that is the absolute scary part of humanity, that God can rescue us one day, and who knows, maybe even the very next day we can forget what God has done. And so whether it be the world or our own shortcomings and failings, you know, God can rescue us today, and the next day, if we're not careful, we could fail to look at the world by faith. You know, and, 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 and praise God, you know, those moments when God gives us those wonderful deliverances and wonderful times where he speaks to our heart. Have you ever had God, you know, whether it's just in your mind, I, I have had this happen to me. In my own mind, in my own heart, I have a world of fears and frustrations and anxieties. And just in that mind, my, all by myself, without having to look out anywhere in the world, I have a world of issues right here. And I've, I've had the Lord meet me there. <laughs> and I've had the Lord deal tenderly with me and help me and, and guide me. And I, I've been, I felt like on the mountaintop where God has shown me everything that I needed to know. But then the very next day, maybe a couple of days later, maybe a week later, I could be absolutely in the valley again. And, and, and I always felt like I had blinders on, like I couldn't see for anywhere else. Brother Patrick. Oh, I was just kind of... Kind of curious is when people get strong in the Lord, I wonder if they have tribulation before that a lot of times. Oh, I, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah. all the time. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody goes from being a babe in Christ to being a, you know, a, 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 a David or a, or, a, or a Josiah or a Hezekiah or, or a Daniel. <laughs> I mean, God gives you training, you know, and that training is often very grueling. <laughs> yeah. You know the the navy or the the military you know, has its special forces and um, the uh, the navy seals they have buds the uh, um, the training where they do in California I guess it's still buds 
And uh, so anyway, people who volunteer to uh, go to the SEAL training, um, it's grueling. It's absolutely just, I mean, people have actually died uh, going through SEAL training. And so one of them happened recently. I want to say in the last couple of months. And so the thing is with BUDS is there's a little bell in a courtyard. And anytime you want to quit, all you have to do is walk over there and ring the bell. And so it's real easy to quit. And things, the thing is, is God does not want us to quit. And the thing is, is God has unlimited help, peace, strength, guidance, direction. The problem is, is a lot of us, again, God can swoop in and rescue us. And then the next time a challenge comes our way, and again, it could be from the inside, your own failings or shortcomings, or it could be something that Satan has thrown at you, or it could be the circumstances of being in the world, but it doesn't matter. The next thing that comes down the pike, a lot of Christians, after God having shown how great he is to deliver them, will again wait for something to just rock their world and get to the very, very bottom of the rope before they ever call out to God. That, what I'm saying is we're slow. We're slow to learn what God is trying to teach us. What he's teaching us is to put our confidence in him all the time. All the time. Not just some of the time. Not just when you're feeling spiritual. But all the time. See, that's what the Christian life is. What we are being called to is 100% of the time. Walking with God. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. The Bible says, rejoice evermore. It says these things because that's the way we're supposed to live. How many Christians in our world are start, stop, start, stop, start, stop with God? You know, and that's not the way God designed us to be. He designed us to walk in communion with him. Mankind in the Garden of Eden, God well, had communion, uninterrupted with Adam and Eve. He made them perfect, put them in the perfect place. There was no problems. There was no uh, earth-shattering moments like that. And yet, they sinned. They fell away, and the whole human race fell into sin. Now, mankind needed a Savior, and only God could do it. But now, God has provided salvation. Now, man can be forgiven for his sins and come back into communion with God. It's a wonderful, wonderful truth. But how about mankind? And he would neglect that relationship. <laughs> Something, the, 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 the floor has to drop out, out from underneath us for some of us to pray. You know, for all that God has done to make it possible for us to be in this close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and for us to neglect it. Folks, that's criminal. <laughs> it's absolutely tragic. For us to neglect what this this precious, it's the most precious thing that any human being can gain. A relationship with God on the inside by the connection of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> An intimate relationship that another man cannot see. He can only see what comes out. You know, as, as Like the Lord Jesus says in John chapter 3, the wind blows where it listeth and you, you can't see it, but you hear the sound thereof. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So they see the outside, but listen, our communion with God is happening on the inside. And how about man neglecting that relationship? Why do, listen, sometimes there's plenty of heartache and trials and tribulations that come to Christians just, you know, if you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. But listen, I wonder how many trials and tribulations come to us simply because we're neglecting our relationship with God. And God says they need a crisis.
<laughs> they need something that will help them run to me because we're just that that foolish. I was about to say stupid, but <laughs> maybe spiritually speaking, we're just stupid. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, God very clearly, you know, God is ready at all times to be in communion with us. And sometimes God has to do things to get our attention. And so that's why it's, it's good for a Christian just to say, Lord, is this, is, this, is this you? Is this the world? Is it Satan? Whatever it is, I need you. But again, the, the perfect way to walk through this life is to live in constant relation, you know, sowing in our, towards our relationship with God. My, my wife has a garden, and she works at it. <laughs> when the garden is neglected, it doesn't work so well. <laughs> uh, I, I don't mean to... <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> uh, but listen, that, that garden needs to be tended. And our relationship with the Lord, we should be sowing towards the Lord every day, all day long, sowing towards our relationship with God. And so um, that, that whole part that we were just looking at was, was confidence taught by experience made them sing. So if you'd like to turn with me to Romans chapter 5, I'd like to show you this, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Romans 5, 1. <clears throat> thing is with Melissa, she has a lot of irons in the fire. I'm ADD. <laughs> I don't, you know, anyway, uh, better. Okay. So Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glo- hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So if you notice there in verse 3, you know, verse, verse 2 sounds pretty good to us most of the time. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. We like that thought. Grace, yes, give me more grace. <laughs> but look at verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Now, I haven't heard anybody in this church ever say, hey, you know what? I blew a tire yesterday. It was great. <laughs> uh, or, man, I got this going on at work, and it's tearing me down, and it's just wonderful. I can't wait to get more. None of us are doing that except for the fact that, in a sense, we're not supposed to. I don't think we're supposed to say things like that. But we can glory in God and that God is doing something. Listen, God's always doing things that you and I cannot see. Very, I think very rarely do we even understand the smallest fraction of what God's doing. So listen now, we can, by faith, we can have help from God to learn. And that's what he's saying here. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. And, and then the little semicolon there, is that is a semicolon or a colon? Anyway, whatever it is, two dots. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. It's the path for you to learn this thing, tribulation. Tribulation and getting into tribulation brings patience. And I've heard so many preachers say, never pray for patience. You know what? It's, it's okay to pray for patience. It doesn't mean that God's waiting with a hammer over your head to beat you with it. God's never going to do something just, just because we're just looking for something painful in our lives. Patience is something we need. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience, and experience, hope. 
Now listen, after God's brought you through some things, you begin to have the smallest fraction of the understanding that God answers prayers. I can trust Him. And you might still be anxious because of the situation, but there ought to be faith mixed with that. And maybe if you grow enough, I don't know, I'm not there, but maybe if you grow enough, you never have anxiousness. You have, never have fear. You never have anxiety. You know, Paul, you see one of the points in which Paul grew, in which he said, he, the Bible says he asked three times that his thorn in the flesh be taken away, and God said, my grace, I was going to say no. <laughs> and God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. And so Paul responded to that most, most uh, I'm going to mess that up. I will glory in my tribulations. Brother Patrick. This is getting interesting because you mentioned patience, patience, patience. And Amen. then you said there must be faith mixed with it. Yeah. Faith, oh, faith I, mixed with whatever you're, you know, something comes at you and you feel anxious. Well, faith, faith should be mixed with that. Right. And until until the day where faith overtakes it and and just faith is all there is, right. faith and confidence. For the saints, saints. Mm-hmm. So I, I was just having I was just going to read this first. Here's okay. the patience of the saints. Mm. Uh, here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Amen. So. Amen. And that's I think when we've grown, grown in the Lord enough, <clears throat> you look at everything through the lens of a relationship with God. Everything. You look at brothers and sisters, you look at family, you look at neighbors, you look at co-workers, you look at everybody through the prism of our relationship with Christ. And knowing that the very best thing that anybody could have is something to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope is what gives us the, the ability to see past the moment. Hope is what gives you the ability to see that there's some good. I don't know what, what the good thing is beyond this. It could be that, that, that God brings you straight out of it. It could be that like, like all the wonderful stories in the Bible of all these great men of God that were, came to difficult and impossible situations and God brought them through that. And, you know, what about those things? You know, could David look over and over and over at, at the, the lion, the bear and Goliath and then being delivered out of the hands of Saul over and over and over, and then the many times in which God delivered greater armies into his hands, all of these things, all those things were evidences of God, and they gave him, gave, they gave him hope, the ability to see past that time. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. <clears throat> okay, so... Um, Okay, so number three is Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, or nor, nor for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? And so for, I have this note that from the greatest to the smallest of needs, God is able to take care of us. But again, Americans are spoiled. We are spoiled, folks. I, I'm, I'm sure you all know that you know if, if we don't have six months worth of padding, then we don't want to face a single day. Listen, the, the day could come in our lifetimes where we don't have that. We may be li- living on a day-by-day, minute-by-minute, meal-by-meal basis. That's up to God whether or not that happens. But if, if that does happen, God is sufficient. Listen, God does not need us to have you know, a, a, a job making a certain, certain amount of money. He doesn't need us to have a... A 401k, he doesn't need us to have any of those things that we think we need. 
You know, he was able to take care of Elijah with ravens bringing him food and drinking water from the brook. Could we live like that? Yes, we could. That's part of the reason why that is recorded in the word of God for us. To know that God is not needing the employer that pays your bill, that pays you a paycheck so you can go pay your bills. God's able to take care of us whatever way he chooses. The Bible is filled with examples of that. Brother Patrick, you're saying something. Is it six months of padding? We might have to go day by day. Don't say that to Dave Ramsey. To who? Dave Ramsey. I don't know him. Nobody knows that? You don't know Dave Ramsey? Oh, yeah, we all know him. I don't know who he is. Well, who is he? <laughs> Oh, right. Well, now, let me, let me just say that, listen, <laughs> um, okay. just because I'm not able to save money. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm not. I am not saying you shouldn't make plans. I'm not saying it's evil to have a 401k. I'm saying God doesn't need that to take care of us. That's my point. I mean, if, so it's good. It's a good idea to save money. Some of you would, would know him well enough to, to, to get what I was saying. I think I've heard the name before, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he'd uh, he'd have a heart attack if he looked at our finances. <laughs> I guess say amen, sister. <laughs> okay, so therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. It is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. So skipping on down to verse 32, it's there in your notes. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You see the way in which God wants us to process the day. It's, again, it's not that you should quit your job and go live in the forest. It's God's not telling us to do that. He's saying don't put your confidence in this. He's saying that you can trust in God to provide for your needs. And, and listen, I, I'm fully exp- believing that, that God has given me this job. I work at a job. I go there every day in my Mini Cooper, and, and it putters. <laughs> But I go there every day, praise God, and I, and I work at a job that I enjoy, and I get to come home every day to my, lo- to my wife, and I get to have this life that God's given me, but God does not need those things. God can take care of me any way he chooses, and God, God chooses the way in which, so here's what he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. There's so many Christians today that they can't, they're, they're too busy taking care of their family to serve God. God's saying, let him be the one that you trust in for you and your family's needs. He's telling us that very thing. And so many Christians, they dismiss the idea of serving God. They dismiss the idea that God could call them to a foreign land or to something that just upends their life. They reject that notion completely. The way in which God must provide for me is by my child going to college and getting a six-figure job and doing this, 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 and this. And by the way, if there's the smallest fraction of time left over, we'll give that to God. Listen, that's a disaster waiting to happen. Because that's not God's plan for our lives at all. This is God's plan for our lives. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What are the, all the things? All the things that we are chasing hard after. You know, the monetary things that we can use to buy all the little goodies that we want. And listen, God, God's not you know, anxious about the gas crisis that's coming. God's not anxious about any of these things. He doesn't have a problem taking care of his people. All these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So I have this note, faith, confidence in God, 
enables us to take no thought for the morrow. Faith, confidence in God, enables us to take no thought for the morrow. So letter C, and I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. So that's the last part of, of Psalm 119, verse 117. Hold thou me up, and I shall be safe, and I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. And so the thought of, and I will respect I have respect unto thy statutes continually. The Lord tells us these things so that we will trust him and obey him and not be drawn away from him by Satan's devices. So listen, uh, a lot of us, <laughs> you know, uh, our, our obedience is tempered by all the things that we think we have to do. God says to trust in him completely. And so the, the point of that is to obey him completely. Trusting that God will take care of us and he will lead us and he will direct us and make our lives have meaning and, and count. And so um, I have this note. Satan seeks for us to forget God's works and for us to not walk by faith, to murmur and complain and fear and then turn back to the world. Does that sound familiar at all? That's the people of Israel when they are at the Red Sea and not just at the Red Sea, but continually. As they go through the wilderness, I've heard many preachers say this. I don't know it for certain, but they say it's an 11-day march to the land of Canaan. And they spent 40 years, 40 years dwelling in the wilderness. Listen, that was not God's fault. That was because they could not, they could not open up their hearts and their minds to, by faith, respond to their challenges. So Satan seeks for us to forget God's works and for us to not walk by faith, to murmur and complain and fear, and then run back to the world. So let our eye continually. It is not enough to be a Christian visiting the Lord and his ways when we need him or when it suits us. We need him truly every minute and should never feel safe walking apart, walking away apart from him. We need him truly every minute and should never feel safe walking away apart from him. That's... I need a better proofreader. <laughs> also, he is our he is worthy of our devotion and obedience always. So Psalm 116, verse 16. O, o Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. And that is truly every one of us. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. You know, the thing is about that saying is for you to say, Lord, I'm your servant. That means God gets to, newsflash, tell us what to do. <laughs> and again, so many Christians temper, you know, obeying God with, if I have time, if it's not too big a deal, and all these things. Listen, God has a right to command us. That's what so many times you see in scriptures, fear the Lord and keep his commandments. And, you know, we need to keep all the written commandments that God gives us, but also God is able and, and, and certainly he is, is at, he's at rights to tell us how to lead our lives. So many times, you know, if, if someone says a, a cross word to us, we can respond only in the flesh. But God's telling us to lead our lives and to fear him and to walk with him and to learn and grow and become more like Christ so that you do not automatically respond in the flesh to everything. Instead, we're supposed to walk by faith. And trust in God. Keep his commandments. Be like Christ to the world around us. Those are not just words. God would not command us to do something that he does not have the power to help us to do. The problem is on our end, when we fail to trust in God and have confidence in him. 
And again, so much of the time, you know, we we can say, amen, Brother Brett, this is good stuff. And then as soon as life hits, you don't even try. <laughs> you know, the person cuts you off in traffic, traffic and the gestures start going and the mouth starts flying. You know, the truth is, is God expects us to be like Christ. And the Bible says, to whom much is given, anybody know? Much is required. <laughs> Listen, folks, God has given us all much. And that's what the teaching of the Word of God, it's not, it doesn't just bring us accountability. We are meant to learn from these things and grow in Christ and be like Him to the world. So there's Pastor, there's the look. I missed the look. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He wasn't giving me a look. <laughs> All right. Any, any quick questions before we close? Ms. Megan. I just had a prayer question. Yeah. Oh. Pretty mangled and it's on his arms and stuff. He wants to claw his face off. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. All right. Anything else? All right. Lord, thank you for this time we've had. Thank you, for, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for how you're able to guide us and you're able to show us the right way. We pray that you help us, Lord, to learn, to uh, to grow in Christ and to be like him. And we just pray that you help us to, to be more like you day by day. And that uh, we be changed into your image for, for your glory and for the needs of those around us and for our blessing as well. Please bless every need that was brought into church today and bless every family. Bring us all home safely. And Lord, we lift up Richard to you. We pray that you please help that poison oak uh, to heal quickly and, and that uh, you just ease that, um, ease that discomfort, I pray. And uh, we'll thank you for that. Thank you for all that you do. Bless it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. A few of you have a couple minutes.